And we're back. This is Mike Cerner from Danger and Play and Gorilla Mindset. And today we like to change things up. As you guys and girls know, I like to mix things up, challenge you, introduce you to different people, introduce you to people that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise met, but that you should meet. So today I have a special guest. It is a his and her team, Lauren and Michael. They run a website called The Skinny Confidential. They also have a podcast. And today we're going to talk about online branding, relationships, and other things. But before we do, I'd like to let them say hello. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm Lauren from The Skinny Confidential, and I have Michael here. We both have a podcast called The Skinny Confidential, Him and Her Podcast. Yep, and it's uh, Lauren has an online blog that she's been working on for the last six years. She's a published author. And yeah, just like Mike said, we um, have a big online presence, and we've been working on it for the last few years, and that's primarily how we've been making our living. All right, well, let, let's start with the first line, which is I like. So Lauren has been working on her website for six years. Is that right? Six years every single day. Great. I love that you said that. Let's talk about your first year and how hopeless and pointless you probably thought it all was. The first year I, I was kind of ignorant, which was great because I didn't really I didn't really feel that hopelessness. I think that was more maybe in the second year. The first year I was bartending. I was teaching Pure Bar. I had no money. I was living at my godparents' house and I had this idea for a blog and everyone thought I was crazy. People would make fun of me when I was taking pictures of food at restaurants. No one understood, but I had a very clear vision, and I just kind of persisted through and was patient with it. Yeah, you know what's funny is when you say like how pointless we we always thought, and like maybe we people looked at us like we were crazy at the time that it could be something big and like it it could turn into a real business. And I think um, like having that conviction and having the faith that like having an online presence and working on this blog could actually do something. Um, if we didn't have that, I don't think we'd be anywhere near where we are now. So did you guys know then right away it was going to be a big hit? Because here's what I mean by like pointlessness. It, it seems fun, but the idea that you could make money from a website or a blog, at least to me, was kind of a shock when I started making money. I thought, oh, this is kind of fun, but I never thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start an online business that's actually going to make it. Did you – going in, did you think you were going to make it right away? I've always had a very clear vision of where I want to take the Skinny Confidential and it's kind of mapped out in my head and I have these steps to get to where I want to be. It's never been this one big goal. It's tiny goals along the way that kind of make the entire goal. So I've, it's never, it was never really about money in the beginning. It was more just providing value and content and connecting with my readers and cre creating this kind of community and knowing that in the end they would be kind of soldiers for me. So for the first two years, I didn't make a dime and I was literally working, you know, like I said, seven days a week and, and bartending and coming home and working until three 30 in the morning and waking up and teaching and, and doing this full schedule. And, and I, I loved it. Um, but you know, there's definitely times when I didn't want to do it, but that's discipline. You, you, you force yourself to do something because you know that little tiny habits are going to make a greater outcome. Yeah. And I don't think we even like when we started, I don't think we even knew that the, like the way we make, we monetize now, I don't even think we knew that was on the table or even an option at the time. Does that make sense? Like we didn't map out a road to monetization with like where we are now. We just kind of started putting out content and it kind of evolved over time with the industry. I see a lot of people making a mistake where they, they make it about them and what they can get out of it and how much money they can make and they want quick. And, and that's just not how this business is. Okay, great. I'm, I'm glad you people are saying this because I, I tell people the same thing. They go, Mike, how do I make money from a website? And I'm like, man, that is already the wrong question. 
Exactly. Be- because you're not going to make any money at first. You're, you're not going to so, have an right. audience. Absolutely. If you're leading with that, you're, you're in for some trouble. And you said what? It took you two years, right? Um, it took me about two years to start making money and it wasn't a lot of money at first. And I just kept, I just kept, you know, very focused. I stayed in my own lane, not worried about what other people were doing. And, um, the money, the money comes, but you can't just make that your primary focus, I think. And, and I mean, you know that, I mean, I've, I've watched you, you've, you've created content and value on a daily basis. I'm sure you work seven days a week as well. Um, and you know, it's, it's slow, but it does come. Right. And are you living independently off your websites now? Yes. And how long did that take you? Um, to live independently off my website was probably, I would say, three years. Right. So in other words, you worked a regular job and then built this on the side. And then as this grew, you went 100%. Yes. So Michael was, Michael was doing – Michael does internet marketing – I have a yeah, I have a marketing business. And I have a I have a company called Jetbed. I actually make uh, beds for corporate and private aircraft. So we had those businesses to support our lifestyle while she was doing this. Um, but definitely, like as this has become more prominent and gotten busier, and we started the podcast, like it's definitely become the primary focus for her. Gotcha. So you started in marketing, Michael, and, and is, did did you kind of do some of the marketing stuff early on with Lauren? It's funny. I started actually in real estate in 2008, got my ass kicked really bad. Worst time to start, um, but I was just getting out of school. And then I uh, started a brick and mortar business called Jetbed, where we make beds for aircraft. And, and I had a buddy that was doing some internet stuff. And at the time, I was kind of ignorant. I, I've always been a little, like tech savvy, um, grew up around computers, but was really unfamiliar with like affiliate stuff and um, direct to consumer marketing. So I started dabbling in that. And it kind of took over and became one of my main businesses. So when Lauren started the Skinny Confidential, I was able to step in and kind of help her with the back end and help her get her uh, content out there and you know help her with some Facebook stuff. And since then, she's kind of taken over on her own. What do you think, Lauren? What's your tips? What do you tell people when they say, I want to make it online? My tips is is patience. It's it's every day working it. It's discipline. It's It's after going out with a night with friends, it's waking up in the morning and, and putting in the work and putting in the effort. And it's also, you can't just expect to put pictures of your outfit every day up online and build, in my opinion, a strong community and a strong following. I am not interested in, in just the hits or the comments. I'm more interested, like I said, in creating like a, a very set community of women who can come together and, and they're, they're like soldiers. And I think that that requires a lot of discipline, a lot of persistence, and a lot of habit. And you work on it every day, right? Every single day, all day long. You know what's interesting, though, is Lauren started in a niche. She started in the health and wellness category. She was a pure bar instructor. Um, so when she started, she didn't go after everybody on the internet. She didn't go. Up, she didn't go out and say, "I'm going to grab every single person that I can possibly grab." She really went targeted, and from there, as she developed a niche readership she's kind of expanded out, kind of like an upside-down triangle. Okay, yes. so maybe talk a little bit more about your business then and how you found your audience, what your kind of goal was, because I, I think that's the issue a lot of people struggle with is they think they want to they want to be everything to everyone, but at least in my experience, that, that isn't really possible. 
Exactly. I mean, I see so many bloggers launch with a lifestyle blog and I actually strategically launched with just a health blog. Health might not be my favorite subject to talk about. In fact, it's probably beauty, but I started with health and I just talked about health for like a year and a half. And then I strategically moved outward very slowly, introducing other subjects very, very slowly. No rush, just slowly bringing other things in that made sense. And now after six years, it's grown into a lifestyle blog. I think you have to evolve with the readers and, and, and go slow and, and just take your time. What do you think, Michael? No, I completely agree. I think the problem is when, when it, it, this isn't any business, honestly, when you launch and you're trying to grab everyone, a lot of that, you, you create a lot of noise, right? And it, it becomes very difficult to find who your audience really is. And if you can't find that niche of people, it's really hard to cater to them and evolve the product and what it needs to be. Because maybe you have, maybe you're trying to grab everyone and 75% of those people aren't interested in what you're doing. And I think, I don't know, maybe if it's because the internet and social media people think they need to grab everyone and create this huge following. I think it's much more important to focus in on a niche and really develop loyal consumers. Well, people do, and that's why, that's why I'm kind of bringing it up with it. I'm, I'm sort of seeding you to tell people, like, look, Mike tells you guys this, and, it, and it's true because people think, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing, and it's going to be applicable to everybody. And I tell people – Man, if you only had 1% of people on the internet who speak English read your website, you would, you would have an empire. Exactly. Exactly. That's so true. No, but I, I do some marketing consulting for brands and they start getting all over the place with who their customers are. And I'm like, listen, if you guys can't paint a picture of exactly who your customer is, what they look like, what their age is, are they male, are they female – how are you going to create an effective marketing plan? How are you going to create a strategy to reach these people? Like, you can't, you can't grab everybody. That's great too, actually. They call that, I think, the model reader. You know, who, who reads your website? And people, when they go in and they start this stuff, they don't give that any thought. Now, Lauren, did you kind of have your typical reader in mind? And how did you come up with that typical reader? It's so funny because before I launched my blog, it took me a year to launch it because I was, I'm such a perfectionist and I wanted everything to be exactly how I envisioned it. It's so funny. I actually made a huge poster board with a model reader on it, not knowing what I was doing. So I, I put like, you know, if she was in high school or college and what she looked like and what her hobbies were and where she lives and what she's wearing. I actually drew this out on a poster board. And then along with that, I did like the skinny confidential kind of aesthetic board, which had like the colors and the layout. And I, I drew a website with, with textiles and fabrics and, and just cultivated the site for a year on two poster boards. And I think that everyone should do that when you're beginning a brand. You don't just come up with a brand in one day and put it out there. Okay, it's good, but let's let's repeat that for people who are listening because a lot of people struggle with it. You actually didn't say, "I'm a young, pretty girl. I'm going to appeal to the whole world." Let's remind the people because, uh, again, this is one of the most common mistakes people make is they think, "Well, my website is going to apply to everybody." That that isn't true, is it? It's not true at all, and and that's great that you're a young, pretty girl. There's millions of young, pretty girls out there. What are you offering that's different? So, so for me, what I offer that I think is different is I talk about real stuff. I talk about camel toes and boob jobs and 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 stuff that that's going on. And I talk about you know what's going on with Kylie Jenner. This this all different kinds of things that maybe other bloggers don't want to discuss because they're talking about their outfit. I go there. I, I want to talk about the taboo stuff, and I think you're the same 
same way, which is why I've really connected to your podcast as a woman. Like, I think that you tell it how it is. It, there's no bullshit. You are who you are. And I think that that comes through the screen. But at the same time, when she talks about those things, she's not trying to grab a 36-year-old male that's into sports. You know what I mean? Like, she knows who she's, who she's reaching, and she really focuses in on that. And... I think, like you said, this is one of the biggest mistakes that people make when launching any type of product or any type of business on the internet is they think, wow, this is great. Everyone's going to love this. They get really romantic about their idea and they try to capture everyone. And what they should be doing is really focusing in on the people that will actually be very interested in what they're speaking on. And because those people will become so loyal that they become like little soldiers. They'll go and tell other like-minded people and that's how you grow your audience. If you go and try to just grab everybody out there and you don't get any traction, you're really not doing yourself or your business any favors. Yeah. I always say men and women approach things with the same, but differently. And here's what I mean with women. They want to say like, Oh, like I'm the young, pretty girl and look at me. How cute am I? But men, it's a little different men. They want to be like, yeah, Mr. Cool guy. I, I call it the Mr. Cool guy effect. And that is why I tell men like, well, here's why your website is, is failing because you just want to go and write and say, I'm cool. Look how cool I am. Everybody tell me how cool I am. But people actually want authenticity. They want vulnerability. They want to know that you're facing a lot of the struggles that they're facing. Yeah, it's called the bragging syndrome. A lot of people launch blogs so they can brag about their life. That's that's not value. That creates no value for the person that's reading the blog. I think that you need to picture who you're writing to every time you're writing, and, and it needs to not always just be about you. It's it, I can't stand the I, 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 me, me, me. It needs to be more of what can they walk away with. Yeah, they're, people run their websites as a MySpace page, I call it. It's like the MySpace effect. Look at me. Ain't that's, I cool? That's so true. It's like people who use money to buy status. That's a, that's a gorilla mindset thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They want, they want everybody to you know, suck their proverbial dick. And, and what I always tell people is, hey, that's cool. Like if that's what you need. You know? So a lot of times I have like a two-tier conversation with people. I say, look, if you want to build a MySpace blog and have people tell you how hot you are and cool you are as a man and you're Mr. Cool Guy, hey, like I'm totally in support of that. But don't ask me how to make a business out of that because you're not going to. Exactly. And we see that so much right now through Instagram. I'm very excited that Snapchat has, has, is starting to take over the, the Instagram world because I think that it shows what really actually is going on. And people can see like how, how much it takes to, to do a blog and, and to do a podcast. I mean, as you know, it's, it's no joke. Well, the issue with social media is everybody's putting their like – best life forward. You're seeing the be- you're seeing the stuff that everybody wants you to see, the be- the best stuff. Um, and people if, are over that. If you could see like the hours and hours that you have to put in to run an actual business and like the struggles that go into it. I mean, I think a lot of people would think a little bit harder about actually even getting into business. So, you know, social media has been interesting in this in this world. It's it's changed the playing field. It's changed the way people look at things and um, we we kind of our brands all about like really showing the behind the scenes, showing everything that goes into this. Yeah, your Snapchat channel is pretty good. I mean, you go, you put a lot of work into your Snapchat. I, I watch your Snapchat, and I'm like, man, that's too much. That's too much work. I, yeah, I'm not I'm work. <laughs> you know, I think it's funny we talk about like content creation, right? Like maybe you want to like we were talking about a little earlier. Is your main platform your blog? Is it your Instagram? Is it your podcast? And I think. Any platform you choose to be on, I, I know you do a lot of, um, you're really active on Twitter. Any platform that you choose to be on, you have to be able to provide valuable content and you have to be able to consistently do it. You can't just grab every channel just because 
people are saying, hey, Snapchat's the next thing or Instagram's the next thing or Twitter's great. Like you really have to decide what you can be good at. I myself, I focus on Snapchat and the podcast because I'm, I'm better at those mediums. I'm not as good on Twitter or Instagram. I'm not as good at, at that kind of stuff. So you, you got to get targeted. Yeah, that's another great tip that people overlook is exactly what you said. They, they're like, oh my God, the, all the kids now, all the millennials now, they're on Snapchat. So that's where I have to be when really the, your, your audience is everywhere. It's about – what I, here's what I call it. And, and tell me you guys can just kind of vibe off of this. I call it the law of attraction, the law of rejection. I just say here's what is true about the world. Here's what is true about your life. Here's how to improve your life. By definition – that is going to resonate with other people, but other people completely reject me and find me appalling and want nothing to do with me. Is that true for you? Um, yeah, I think that the reason that people are like that, though, is because you're giving them realities and people don't want to live in reality sometimes. So, so when you do that, you're mirroring them and that makes people nervous. Um, you know, I think that, that Twitter, I've, I've seen on Twitter, people, people either like love it or they hate it. And the ones that hate it, in my opinion, you got, you got to live in reality. Yeah, and you, but you get a lot of hate too, though, right? I get a lot of hate, and it's gotten a, a lot worse. But here's the thing: like, like the other day, someone said, um, "You know, you have a boob job," and I said, "Yeah, I do." Here's the Bitly link to the post where I wrote about it. It's it's logical. I mean, I wrote about it. I decided to do it, and here's my experience. I'm not trying to to hide anything. I am who I am. Um, and I think I get hate in other ways too. Uh, Michael and I get hate about our podcast, but I just we just have to be who we are, and the ones that like it like it, and the ones that don't don't. Well, it's an interesting new playing field, right? Where people are putting like you're putting your life out there, you're putting your real experiences out there. Mike Cernovich is telling you what his experiences are. Lauren's telling what her experiences are, and I think you know people are either going to respond well to it or they're not. And in, in terms of like haters and stuff, like. The way I look at it is what kind of person are you or what's what's going on with you where you actually take the time to follow what somebody else is doing, look at their lives and then be angry about what you're seeing. Like you could if you don't want to look, don't look. Like there's plenty of other places on the internet. Yeah, it's That's fascinating too. I mean the the Lauren boob job line reminded me like so I had been very open about when I was using anabolic steroids and I was just like, "Oh yeah, here's what I did, here's what I run." And then people would like find pictures and they'd be like, "Oh my god, you do steroids." <laughs> like, you're an idiot. Like, here's the link. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I just I can't even believe it. But Snapchat's been a good way for people to get to know me. I think better um that there, there's a lot more to the story and they can see that. And it's more than just a boob job. And it's more, it's, it's, it, there's a lot, there's a lot of other things going on. So, um, I do think like you were saying that people should stick to what works for them. I've seen a lot of really big internet marketers talk about musically and it's like, no one wants to see a 36 year old guy on musically. Like, I, like, you know what I mean? You have to stick to what your brand is. And just because all the kids are going to musically doesn't mean you should I, like, I think Twitter works really well for you. And you obviously have put a lot of your eggs into that basket and it, it's working. So why kind of move it just because all the kids are doing one thing? Yeah, well, a lot of that is youth obsession. There's a there's a meme that the kids post on Twitter. I can't remember who the actor is, but it's like, hello there, fellow kids. And it, it shows like an old guy in a hooded sweatshirt and a skateboard in a high school trying to fit in with the kids. And we, we do see a lot of that online where like, hello there, fellow kids. 
Yeah, like I know I'm, I know I'm not going to be lip syncing on Musical.ly anytime soon. Like I that, would not like, want you to do that. For the, the people I'm speaking to, that's not going to that's not going to fly. No, that's definitely not going to fly. You have to know what medium works for you, um, and and really ride it and really pay attention to it and, and listen to your audience. Going all over the place again is not is not being niche. It's not like like how I started the Skinny Confidential with just that health thing. You do the same thing with social media. You pick your platform, I think, and you really really ride it, and you're disciplined about it and it's something you do every day no and i think this goes for like you know we're talking a lot about personal branding but for businesses as well you got to pick the right social media platform for your business you know i was speaking with a furniture uh, company the other day and they're saying should we get on snapchat and like show the behind the scenes (laughs) of us packing our furniture boxes and i was like listen like that's absolutely not what you want to do because nobody wants to watch you pack a bunch of furniture boxes on Snapchat. Like, but, but they shit. What you do want to use is things where you can showcase your furniture and create some good content behind why people should get this furniture. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you, you got to be targeted. You got to be smart about it. All about the brand. Yeah. Talk to me more about targeting. How do you sell your products? What do you sell and what is your strategy? And then I'll kind of share, you know, we'll, we'll, let's go a little bit behind the scenes. I like to talk to my guys. I tell them, look, here's how I'm going to market to you. And I just lay out my whole marketing plan. And then I actually market to them. And they actually, they like, they love this. Like, wow, Mike isn't trying to, to hide anything. He's telling me he wants my money and here's how he's going to take it. I love that you do that. It's transparent. It's real. You're not trying to, you're not trying to sugarcoat it. I, I really like that. I um, am kind of the same way. I've taken all advertising off the Skinny Confidential. It doesn't work for me. I think when when girls come on my site, it's about an experience and leaving with with it feeling inspired. And I don't think advertising does that. Um, I would rather put my eggs in a different basket. So you know, I also have a book like you do. So that's definitely a way to monetize. And then I have an ebook that's a meal plan, and it tells exactly what I eat. I've had a lot of questions about that, and I put that out there, and I say, listen, you guys, this required a graphic designer, a web developer, a team. It requires my time, so this is it why I have an, to charge. It requires an e-commerce platform. Yeah, I mean, these are the reasons that I'm charging you, and this is the reason where this is where I got this price to charge you. And then eventually, a product line, and and when I do do a product line, which is the next step. I bring the readers along on the journey so they can help build the product line with me so that when it launches, they, there's an investment there. You know, they feel that they were a part of it. Yeah. And another, like the way you, we, we monetize this blog is we'll, we'll collaborate with um, a variety of different brands from, you know, clothing brands, beauty brands, um, you know, some internet service brands. And what we'll do is we'll do sponsored posts with them, but we'll only talk about things that we actually believe in and that we'll actually use. And we're very transparent about that. So in it, the other day, like there was, I'm not going to get specific, but there was a candy company that came to us and Lauren's really not a big candy fan. So we, we ended up saying, listen, like that's just not what we use, or what we do. And we're, we're very protective over the readership and um, protective of like what we'll present to them and what our put all stamp of approval on. And um, that's another way we monetize. Right. But again, like to be able to collaborate with those people, it's been years and years of having to build this platform up where you actually have an interested base of readers. Yeah, the beauty is though once you have it, you you're pretty much nobody is ever set for life. But the way I tell people is, I went really slow, and that's why I tell people go slow. Don't do the spammy internet marketing stuff. Don't do the clickbait stuff. Don't do the, you know, somebody goes on your website and you have ten pop up boxes and they don't know what to do, because when you're where I am or where you guys are, unless I like blew it as in like cheated people or did something completely out of character that I can't imagine doing it. I'm pretty much set on this website for life. 
Yeah, you are. You are set and people value your opinion and they're going to want to keep hearing your content and your opinions. Um, I think that when it comes to sponsored posts, you really, really have to be careful. I've seen a lot of bloggers shoot themselves in the foot with that. I mean, I've turned down thousands and thousands of dollars because it doesn't fit with the platform. For instance, something, a protein powder wanted to advertise and there was soy in it and I don't like soy and I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat soy. So I, it won't be on my platform. And, and really, I can honestly say I don't care how much money it is. If it doesn't work, I, I have I have integrity to my readers, and I can't go down that route. Long-term greed. That is the key to the online game. Yep, long-term. It's not short-term. And, and people don't want to hear that because everyone right now especially wants everything right now. And this is a very right now society. And with the internet, it may seem like it's right now, but I can assure you, and Mike, you can agree with me, it's not, it's not quick. <laughs> it's slow, slow build, at well, least for me. And the stuff that is quick is fleeting. Right. There, um, it's gimmicky or it's fatty and you don't establish a long time brand. But yeah, I mean, with somebody like you, you know, you guys are, you know, into health and fitness, you, you talk a little about vanity stuff, which is important because I actually, you know, we, we talked about this before the podcast. I'd written before about Botox versus Dysport and why I'd use Dysport instead of Botox. I used Botox when I was before I was 30 to prevent wrinkles from forming on top of my forehead. So now at 38, I really don't have that many wrinkles on the top of my forehead. So I don't even need to use Botox because I like got them before they started. And a lot of people thought that was kind of weird, but you know what? They loved it. Exactly. That's all about my post. It's prevention. Michael, take notes Lauren, on Mike's Lauren's, Lauren's on me. My wrinkles are, are coming in. Probably he has a cursive line on Probably because I'm running a business with my fiance. Yeah. So yeah. Running a business with your fiance, well, you'll need Botox. Yeah. <laughs> or a horse tranquilizer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, good, a good friend of mine, uh, Chris, he, he talks a lot about the male vanity stuff. I actually wrote a whole post on it's ironic because, as you guys know, because you waffle danger and play, then my whole skin went through like an autoimmune condition. So all my my vanity work was like, oh man, you know, I was so pretty at like 33. What you know what happened? And I'm kind of working my way back up. But a friend of mine too writes about like male vanity and uh, vitamin B serums for your skin. And there's a lot of men actually, straight men who who are into that kind of stuff. Do you write about that stuff, Michael? Um, I, I don't write so much about that stuff. It's well, you write more about, he writes about books. He's written about your book. Yeah. You know, um, I read those. Yeah. Um, no, I write more like he I, writes about, he, Michael's t writes a lot about mental toughness. But you're um, good looking though. I mean, you're a really good looking dude, man. You got to capitalize on that. It's Manuka honey that I make him put on his face. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've had some requests for stuff like that, but I just, you know, it's just not, I'm not so into it. Oh, um, right. Then don't do it. Right. Yeah. But um, maybe, I mean, maybe if Lauren gets me under the needle and fixes my my, He really head. needs it. I'm so glad you just told him you got Dysport. I'll be on him about that. You just, you just put a little bit, I mean, because you guys are kind of like the model couple, you know, and um, if you're, if you got the looks, you know, you might as well use them while you have them because they, they definitely don't last forever. Absolutely. I think that, I think that, that using your looks as a plus is great. What my problem is, is when people lead with their looks. Because looks are fleeting and, and they're not going to be around forever. And what I plan to do with the Skinny Confidential is so much bigger than me. It's, it's so much bigger than what I look like or me. And I learned that when I, I went through a jaw surgery, I was down for a year. I mean, I was a huge swollen sloth from the Goonies for a year. And I had to use 
my writing and my content and not my looks for a, a year on the Skinny Confidential, and it was a really interesting experience. Well, let's uh, talk about that. No, let's go because because I'll I'll just sort of tell you what happened with me is I was you know. I went through a phase where it was like I was really good looking from like 28 to say like 33 and then I developed this weird autoimmune skin condition and then I was like, oh man, you know, this is rough. So a lot of people say, well, Mike, why are you so authentic and why are you so genuine? And I go, well, because I know what it's like to not be able to get out of bed and to look like a leper and to just look terrible and to feel terrible. So I had to go deep within my own spirit to to kind of figure things out. And I so I think I call that podcast, you know, physical um, – or spiritual growth is physically painful, and that was actually helpful to me, as terrible as, as the event was. Did you have a similar thing happen with you? Absolutely. Um, same thing as you, um, horrible jaw surgery. She had to get uh, corrective jaw surgery last June, and they basically, her jaw was out of alignment. It's a problem she was dealing with her entire life, and they literally had to go in and break the entire jaw. And Lauren doesn't like when I say this, but to get so graphic, during this surgery, they can actually take your jaw out of your face and set it on the table. I mean, it was gnarly. And, and the doctor said I would be swollen for two months and I'm still swollen. It's been a year. So, so that's, it's, it's like, you know, think about somebody who makes their living with pictures and Instagram and putting themselves out there to the world. Like for the he, last, he can relate. for the last year, you know, you have to, you have to really dig deep and come up with some, some creative ways to produce valuable content to keep people interested. And I think, you know, touching on us as a couple and the way we look like I never wanted to we, – we, it's been more about creating really good content and if the content can stand on its own and the other stuff can be a side benefit, great. But to us, it's always – we've always known like you have to have something valuable to say to people or they're going to go somewhere else. There's always other better looking people. There's always somebody else that's prettier or more handsome or whatever. So the content needs to come first and I think um, we, that's why we put so much focus into it. I mean, Mike, you, you don't you feel like after everything you went through that this has pushed you to your full potential? Like don't – like you, you wouldn't – I feel that if I didn't have jaw surgery and I didn't have to go through this and, and get really, really creative and really dig deep, I feel like it's really taken me to a different level yeah i mean what you what you learn about yourself is that nobody can push yourself as hard as like say if you join the army you know they're going to push you to new limits if you have a really devastating health crisis you don't have a choice then but to either get bitter or to overcome that and then what i found is i i used to have a lot less energy you know i would even joke that i, I used to be like low energy jeb bush i'm like man i don't have any energy i'm just an introverted guy you know i'm getting tired and then i went through that horrific thing and now I'm I'm like a spaz, you know. People are like Mike, you you twitch a lot when you talk. You're always like moving around. <laughs> like, yeah, I've, I've I've developed this reserve of energy that I didn't even know was possible. Do you think that was because you were down and you felt like what it's been to be down? Like, why do you feel like you have that reserve of energy? Because when you when you overcome something, so with me, I was literally in bed. I went from a Friday, I was at the gym, had a great workout, to Monday, my whole every joint in my body ached. My skin was cracking and itching. It was like a horrific sunburn. It was a second-degree burn, essentially, and all of my joints ached, and I got out of bed to go to the bathroom, and I was winded. So just, just even moving, it all was winded, so then I had to completely reconceive how I viewed reality. So I went from being like I go to the gym, I, I lift hard, I do kettlebell complexes, I'm pushing the prowler, I'm you know doing wind sprints on the beach too. Man, you just gotta like find a way to get out of bed, dude. How are you, how are you just gonna even get out of bed? So then I applied kind of the same principles that I apply to anything in life. It's like, all right, dude, you can't go to the gym now, you, you but you can walk down one flight of stairs. So I lived in a fourth the fourth floor. 
here's, here's what I did for a week. All I did was walked down one flight of stairs and then I took the elevator back up because that is the only energy that I had to do. It was just physically it. And then I went down two flights and then I took the elevator, then three, right? And then I started walking up the stairs and then then I started walking around the block for 20 minutes, which was hard. And then you realize, all right, all right man, you know, you just got to keep pushing through. And then once you're pushing through that health crisis where you're, you know, you're out of it, then when you feel just normal, right, you almost feel superhuman now. Yeah, that's really cool. And now I think that and if you ever, you know, I, I know you'll write another book, you can talk about that and how it's how it's taken you to a different level and really taken you to, to get to your full potential. Little things like that, it helps along the way. And it sucks, as you know, sometimes to have to go through things like that in front of a kind of an audience. But at the same time, I feel like everyone's going through shit. So it's, it's, a, it's a great way to say, listen, you, life isn't perfect over here either. This is what's going on. And you develop, again, that deeper connection with your audience. And, and it creates empathy that I certainly never had before. That Absolutely. Was, it, 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 you know, it raises your consciousness to um, completely different levels. Yeah, and it, it, at the end of the day, it makes you a better person. Right. Because, better creator. Yeah, it, creator, yeah, you, you get more in touch with like, all right, man, like people have problems. And then you start to realize everybody has an individual problem, but ultimately they're based around, you know, how you view your problem. How, you know, if your jaw is wired shut and I'm in bed because of my skin, well, we both have, we have a different problem, but ultimately we have to approach it the same way. Like, okay, am I going to let this define me? Am I going to let it stop me? How can I not let it stop me? How can I push forward? Absolutely. And I think showing that on a public platform that yes, everyone has problems and they're and they can be very gnarly, but but that doesn't mean and I think you're the same way that I didn't that I didn't get up and blog every day and keep it going. That's again the discipline, the persistence. And that's what it takes to run, in my opinion, a big business with longevity. You you have to push it every day no matter how you feel. There's been times where like you said too, you you don't want to get out of bed. You don't feel good, but the business doesn't stop. Yeah, and it'll stop growing fast. That's another thing about the internet is people, people love you, but there's a lot going on out there. Oh yeah, I mean, there's the attention span of a flea. You have to keep people. There needs constantly. to be there needs to be persistence and consistency with patience. Yep, to continue to evolve. So, um, yeah, I do think that that you got to keep the content fresh, and it doesn't whatever you share. Dogs. <laughs> yeah, the dog. The dog is saying hi. He wants to. He wants to keep it fresh. Hi. <laughs> How you doing, Dante? Yeah, we we actually just moved into a new place, and that's of course another um, thing about the internet is you're like you're always you're always moving around in one place, so you have interesting things like the dog saying hello to people. But that's I mean that's real life. I appreciate yeah. that when I'm listening to someone's podcast and I hear the dog, I like it. You're you're hustling. You're at home. You're working your ass off. The dog's there. It's it, you're you're just like everyone else. You know, there's yeah. no excuse. Yeah, I mean, that's what I tell people. Because a lot of people say, Mike, you know, I want to do what you do. And I go, well, that, there's a two-part two part of that, right? What I do is, you know, first thing in the morning, here I am. I'm up doing a podcast with you. I'm going to go write. I'm going to do another podcast. I'm going to work on my another book. And then I'm going to do another guest podcast. And then tomorrow, I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to go travel. I'm going to do some original reporting in a very, like, dodgy part. Well, anybody can do that, right? Why don't yeah, they? Yeah, but the question is, will they do that? <laughs> Right, because the idea is people, what, what I found is very common, they say that they want to do what you do, but they're really saying they want to have what you have without doing anything. 
Yep. They, and a lot of them think it's luck and you just woke up one day and there it was. People don't want to put the work in. And, and anyone that asks me how to do it, you have to put the work in. It's plain and simple. One of my businesses is going on 10 years now. And everyone's like, oh, wow, that's great. You have a business 10 years. I'm like, listen, if you would have seen the first three to four years, you you would there's no, there's no way you would have you didn't even make any money the first four yeah, years yeah, there's no way i mean people always look at the end result and um they think that's how it's always been and it's just that's just not the case it's the same way with the physique with pe- people say oh you know i want to i'm sure you deal with this lauren i want a 12-week plan right yeah they want a quick uh, people want to know what do you eat today so i can do it and then be, be thin i mean i work i work at my diet i work at my my blog i work at my business i work at my relationship I work at, at my friendships. Everything is work. Nothing comes easy. Every, everyone wants this, this easy route. I read this, this article, and I don't remember who the author was, but he talks about how the, the, with anything good, there's struggle. And everything I've ever done that's ever been good has so much struggle. And you, you have to see if you're on board for that struggle because a lot of people aren't. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's just easier to get a regular paycheck. No, but honestly, like I, I say this all the time, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, there's plenty of people that want to get a regular paycheck, and that's fine. I think a thing we're dealing with now with social media and a lot of all these entrepreneurial books and entrepreneurial speaks is maybe not everybody wants to run their own business, right? Like, and that's okay, but don't maybe don't trick yourself into you know, like maybe it's okay to be a number two or a number three. It's okay to to work for, at some other job if you're not going to put in the time and, and take on the burden of, that a business brings. But don't expect to get the end results that you like. Don't don't expect to be at the top of the top if you're not willing to put in the work. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I, I think if you if you want if you want a life of running your own business and you want and you want this kind of life, like get prepared have, to struggle. Yeah, get prepared <laughs> for the struggle and and get prepared for unexpected things to happen. And if you, if you don't want that, then maybe think about something with a little bit more security. Yeah, I've taken the contrary position with a lot of people. And I go, look, 9 out of 10 businesses fail. If you have a good job, work a good job, do something on the side that you really like, and then maybe that'll, that'll go. Because you um, – that, and that's why I try to tell people the full story is in America, we kind of look, hey, this guy, he made it. And hey, this girl, she made it. And, you know, look at them. They're making you know whatever, and they built a brand out of nothing. Or you'll watch these specials on – um, MSNBC or whatever, whatever the business channels are, and they'll say this guy he had nothing. He put his, he mortgaged his whole house, and now he's a hundred millionaire. And I'm thinking, yeah, man, there's like a hundred people who did that though, and ninety nine of those people I think are broke. Touched on something that we both agree on. Um, I think if you're going to have a typical nine to five job, one hundred percent, you need to have a side hustle or something that you're doing on the side, whether it's doing a couple blog posts or doing something creative or I don't know, maybe you're, maybe you're a video editor, maybe you work with Photoshop, maybe whatever it is, you need to have something small so that if shit hits the fan with that job, which is very likely to happen in today's world, that you're not just sitting out there out to dry. Like you have something else to fall back on to get you through that tough time. I think anybody right now that's relying on job security is fooling themselves. Well, Mike, you know the new way to make money, because you do it, is is having your hands in a lot of different things. You have a book, you have a podcast, you have a website. It's not just one thing anymore. I noticed that the generation like 50 to like 70 think that like you put your head down and you do one job nine to five and then you make money and you retire. That's not how it is anymore. You got to have your hands in everything. There's no nine to five anymore. I mean, at least for me, I, I'm doing video, I'm doing podcasts, I'm doing book. You have to do a bunch of different shit to make a big outcome. 
Yeah, multiple streams. That's why a lot of what I do is sort of just uncucking people's minds and saying, like, look, the advice that you've gotten is like terrible. It's multiple streams and looking at. So, for example, I started a juicing website, FitJuice, and all I did was affiliate marketed from that website. And I make like uh, I've made like a grand a month off of that website every month for I don't know three years or so. And I go, look, guys, a lot of people would say, well, a thousand bucks that isn't a lot of money. I'm like, well, no, but I built the website up. Now it's passive, and that comes in every month. And then I have a thousand here, a thousand there, five thousand here. Once you get enough of those income streams, even the little ones, they all add up, and then you you end up making a lot of money. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 amazing to me how people in today's age are shocked when the rug gets pulled out from under them. Like they they can't believe it happened. I, I can promise you this, just being in the business world, your boss is looking to fire you or replace you with something cheaper or better. Like that that is their main concern. Like they are constantly looking for a cheaper, more efficient way to do that. And a lot of the time, that means downsizing employees or you know finding like look at what's happening with McDonald's for example. You know like. Minimum wage goes up, they replace the employees with machines. I mean, that's the, the, the business owner is looking for the most effective way to run the business. If that means less employees and less overhead, that's what they're trying to do. So you have to be smart enough to stay ahead of that and make sure that you have something just in case that happens. Yeah, diversification. James Altucher talks a lot about that and Choose Yourself where he says, you know, your boss – Hate you, and he speaks from the perspective of a he he was on the board of directors of various temp agencies, and he goes everything now is like we want to hire temp workers because we don't have the labor regulations, we don't have the health insurance regulations, we just want cheap temp work, and if you want a really steady, stable job, your boss is trying to find a way to get rid of you. Absolutely, and there's hungry, hungry people out there. I mean, I have gotten girls that want to intern that that will do anything to to make it to the top. So if you're, if you're not hungry, you, you I mean, you're, this this business world isn't made for you. You got to be hungry. I was for a business I'm working on. I was looking for a developer, and this guy came in with an extremely high quote for a full time job. And you know, some other people in the space got wind of that and heard that he came in with that quote. And they literally came in and said, listen, we will do this for half as much and just fully undercut him. And, and when, when that's happening in the workspace, you got to understand that job stability is just not safe. Like people are out there that maybe, maybe that guy that came and undercut him has something else going on. He's like, listen, I can pick up this work on the side as well. I won't make as much, but I also have my main thing. So if I pick up an extra couple thousand bucks for doing this development job on the side, like I have no, he has no problem undercutting that guy because he has something else going on as well. You know, something just occurred to me there. There's something called like the problem of knowledge, which is we say a lot of things, but we forget what we're not saying. And here's what we haven't said. Uh, are you guys out on Friday night getting drunk? No. No. What, what are you doing on Saturday morning? I'm waking up and working. What were you doing five years ago on a Saturday morning? I was hungover working. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very hungover working. Yeah. <laughs> But, I was, you're, but you're yeah, working, I'm right? Working. I'm still yeah. working. I'm up. I, I'm even when I go out and I'm out with friends and, and 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 having a drink. I'm coming home afterwards and working. There's, I mean, and it's not like I I enjoy it. I love it. It's fine. But it, this isn't something where you just take a picture and write a couple words. Yeah, that's what we need to emphasize more. And what I try to emphasize is that Friday night I'm at work. Saturday morning, I'm at work Sunday morning. Now, luckily, I really love my work and love what I'm doing. But nonetheless, you, you still get tired. Sometimes my fingers, you know, jam up. You know, that sounds like a like a white wine, right? Like, a, but sometimes, you know, your hands hurt. Your 
you're messed up, you're tired, you're a little stressed out, but you're, you're working every day, right? There's no way around that. There's no way around the work. If, the, if anyone gets anything out of the podcast, there's no way around the work that I've seen. If, if anyone knows about it, please tweet me. I will do an article on you. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> me too. All right. Well, that's a good way to end, but thanks for tuning in. And let me, um, let me know, give a final blurb out to the people listening in. Um, guys, follow the Skinny Confidential. You can follow it online on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Snapchat. And we also have a podcast. We're with Podcast One and on iTunes, and it's called the Skinny Confidential. Him and her podcast, and we are going to have Mike on. So get excited. Yeah. So at Danger and Play, I'll send out links to all that stuff. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Thank Mike. you.